0: Hi, it's Dee from Inspired Health by Dee, and I'm really excited to be here today to chat about endometriosis and hope, and I wanted to welcome my guest today, Sarah Thompson. She is a CEO, owner, and founder of Online Social Butterfly, Mum, Wife, and Endo Warrior. So welcome, Sarah.
1: Oh, thanks, Dee. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm really excited to be that you're here today, too. <laughs> Um, So I know that for me, with my own endo journey, that when I was like stuck in the middle of it and things were really, really bad, I felt like I would always be in pain and that I would always struggle and that endo would always rule my life. And, um, And I guess that there was always that doom and gloom that the diagnosis meant that, like I said, that I would always be in pain. But then fast forward five years, and my own endo is managed. Um, I'm pain free. I, you know, lots of different changes from the surgery, um, diet, lifestyle. And I was thinking about how can I provide hope back to the endometriosis community because I just see that there's so many women struggling and so much, um, you know, so much pain and not enough hope. So I thought, why not interview uh, women who have endo so they can share their unique story and um, pass on their own personal message of hope. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to hear your story today. (laughs) So did you want to start with um, telling us a bit about your endo journey?
1: Um, oh gosh, it's been actually a really long journey. So I, um, I started my periods when I was 13. And by the time I was 15, I was suffering chronic pain. Um, and I lived in country Western Australia. And I've got a lovely mum who's super supportive and kind. And she just kind of, I, I, look, I've talked to her about it subsequently. and She said, I just thought maybe you're a bit dramatic, which <laughs> I, mean, I can be a fun person. So maybe so she took me to our GP and I got put on the pill. Which is really, really common, and this is so. I'm I'm 47 now. so This is like 30 years ago. So this is how we treated um, period pain. And look, it was a country GP. Probably had no clue, um, and they're not well educated. And over the next few years, um, my pain intensified. I remember when I was at uni, um, I went and saw someone, and they did, um, like they did just an ultrasound, and then they kind of just went. nothing wrong off you go and my pain got to the point in my 20s when i was working that it was painful all the time um and so i used to get um i have my endo pain is my in my side um rather than around my sort of reproductive organs which is quite um off-putting because every time you go and see every time you present an emergency every time you see a gp the first thing i want to do is look at your appendix um <laughs> I still oh, have honey, my appendix so yes. <laughs> I still have my appendix there's nothing wrong with those mm-hmm. um and as a, as my pain got worse um I was sort of um at the point where I would lose consciousness from pain so um that happened to me several times and then obviously that an ambulance takes you to hospital um the good thing about that that sounds horrific and it is I don't want to diminish that is that people take that quite seriously because they're like, wow, there's something really wrong. And I had a lovely GP. I was living in Sydney at the time. And he was really tenacious in that this is not normal and this is not um, acceptable. And he did a full, look. I can't remember if it was an MRI or CT because it was 20 years ago, but a full body scan. And that scan showed that I had, I think, about 45 um, cysts and that um, my ovaries were actually touching, which is what causes you to lose consciousness. It's really, really painful. So... That he's sort of like, wow, we need to send you straight away to get some treatment. You need to have surgery. This is really serious. So he took it really seriously. Um, And I was actually really lucky to be referred because living in Sydney to um, a teaching hospital. And I don't know if you know the head of Endometriosis Australia, Jason Abbott. uh, This is 20 years ago. He was the understudy at the time. So he actually did my second surgery. Um, So I'm really lucky to have had someone who was so interested in women's health at the time.
0: Yeah, he's one, he's one of the best. And I'm
1: from Sydney, so I'm familiar. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I didn't didn't kind of realise at the time that that was going to be obviously 20 years ago, the start of his endo journey. Um, and I was at a teaching hospital. So um, they really kind of took on board and took it quite seriously. But it, when I was diagnosed, I have to be honest, I had immense relief because I thought I was like, I thought, because I had like lots of um, end on my bowel. So I had constant bowel pain. Um, So I thought I was dying. I thought I had cancer. And (laughs) like, I thought there's something really wrong with me. Because like, obviously, if you lose consciousness from pain, there's something really wrong. So I was actually immensely relieved when I was diagnosed with endometriosis, which I don't think is everyone's experience. (laughs) But um, I was suffering so much to be told this is what it is and I'm not going to die. Um, I was just super relieved. Yeah.
0: Um, And it's like you said there is there can be relief in the diagnosis because then you can work out a plan.
1: Yes and um, I think also and um, I I know a lot of women will feel like this there is a huge part of you that thinks you're a hypochondriac. There's a huge part of you that thinks I I used to work with all women in my team and I used to look around and think why are these women functioning and I can't Why can't I get through the days I have my period? Why do I have to lie at home in bed? What is wrong with me? Um, And there's a very big part of me that thought maybe I was dramatic, maybe I was a hypochondriac. And so when you get that diagnosis, it's a validation that your pain is real because no one can can measure pain. Um, And so when you say I'm in a lot of pain, it can mean I'm a really dramatic person and I'm like at a 2 or actually I'm at a 10 and I'm about to just lose it. It's really hard. So that uh, to me, I I still remember just feeling such relief.
0: Yeah, that's a that there's such so few good points there that you've mentioned. Is that the um, that everybody's pain is different, and I see it a lot. um, I don't know if you're part of the Facebook endometriosis groups. Is it? Lots of women look at other women's pain and say, oh, mine's not as bad, so therefore I I don't I can't complain or I, I, it's not as bad, so I don't need to get treatment. And every woman's pain is valid. It doesn't matter even if it's one day or 30 days, hmm. like, all month, is that every woman's pain is valid and that period pain is not normal.
1: It, yeah, and I think one of the things that I find I've, I've found hardest in my endo journey is the unpredictability of pain because um, you don't know when you're going to have a bad day. You don't know when you're going to have a flare. Up. And so it actually sits on your shoulder, like a little dark cloud haunting you when you're well, because you have this feeling like if I go out tonight, we'll all go badly and I have to go home. If I, um, you know, make plans, is that going to all fall apart? And it becomes, So whether you're in pain one day or 30 days, it overruns your life because you live in fear of pain.
0: Yeah, I resonate with that. (laughs) What what do you keep in your handbag in case you need, (laughs) in case you have a flare up, the whole sticky, you know, the sticky heat packs? Yes. Or if I I went to visit a friend, I'd make sure I had my heat pack. Yeah, you're right. It's so unpredictable.
1: Mm, yeah and um I remember when I was first diagnosed um panadine it used to be available over the counter and I think I just used to take those like lollies It's just horrific because they're really bad for your liver um but yes it was just it was just a way of coping because I just thought I just I used to to be fair I was very unkind to myself when I was first diagnosed I used to um push through which is why I lost consciousness at work once which is ridiculous what I was doing at work at the time I had no idea and um kind of just go I just have to be a big soldier and just keep going like as if I've got something to prove which is so bad for you so bad
0: so you, um so the opposite side of that is listening to your body so do you feel like you do that more
1: now I'm so good at it now so good at it um and it's probably um it's you know, working with more um, health professionals. And I'm I'm currently under the care um, at King Edward in Perth. I have a pelvic pain clinic and I'm under care there. So you work with a team of people. And so it's not just about, it's really progressive, actually. It's not just about medical treatment. It's about seeing a physiotherapist. It's about doing yoga. It's about seeing a counsellor. Um, and it's about getting proper holistic support. And um, a lot of that has taught me um, to stop and rest and to listen to my body and to honour what I feel, which it's really, really nice. And I, I've got a very close friend that comments all the time. She goes, you, you're you so much better at stopping when you have to stop. And um, listening to, like, the idea isn't we stop when we're done. The idea is we listen to our body and stop before that <laughs> and let it rest so we're not exhausted and we don't fatigue ourselves and we don't push ourselves right to the limit so that we exacerbate our body endo with with pain and stress and things like that. Yeah,
0: and then you end up having to take more days off because you kind of, then you're in burnout mode as well as all the endo pain as well.
1: Yeah, it's um, a very bad strategy. And I feel like if this um, disease was not associated with women's reproduction, we would feel less shamed and we would feel less like we had to go on with it. Um, I remember when I was diagnosed, um, I worked for Nestle, which is a really big company, and my boss was a male. And um, at the time, there was like literally a trifold brochure that you got given when you left the clinic on what endo was. And when I spoke to him, he obviously went home and talked to his wife and came back and um, went to see HR and came up with this plan of how we could make my work work for me. And which is unbelievable. And I know, because um, obviously he knew that I had pushed through so much and that's not really helpful. And also I was a really bad workaholic so um, that's not helpful either and um, after one of my second surgery um, he actually got someone into job share with me so that I could come back and actually probably just work 30 hours a week rather than 50. <laughs> but um, yeah really really good that other people can help you respect yourself as well.
0: Amazing, that's incredible that he did that.
1: Yes I know, I'm, I'm, he, he was a lovely man and um, I kind of didn't appreciate how nice he was because then obviously I had subsequent jobs and then you're trying to live with your flare-ups and you declare that you've got this disease and most people think that means you've got bad periods and so um I've had not the same response in other positions that I've had yeah and yeah it's
0: so much more than bad periods
1: um, it really bothers me when I hear people call it that. And also when people call it like an affliction or a condition, I'm like, it's a disease. Can we call it what it is and name it that it's not like just a little, it's not like a cold. It's not, let's not marginalise and minimise what it is.
0: Yeah, or it's a chronic disease.
1: Yes. Yes. And
0: hence the, 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 the better way to treat it is the management side of things, which is yes. amazing that you've been, that's
1: the type of treatment that you're having at the moment. Yes, and that um, that model actually comes out of the UK because obviously I'm I'm <laughs> I'm way into my endo journey here, so I've done lots of research, and um, they found that because unfortunately I've um, come to this too late. I've, I already had eight surgeries by the time I came to the pelvic pain clinic um and they tend to send people there who i think at the end of the line whereas it would be wonderful if um there were clinics like endo or pelvic pain clinics where women got referred to almost straight away because there's so much research to support that um having you know constant surgery whilst it gives you some relief like the three to six months afterwards you're like a new woman it just comes back and it just keeps repeating and so then after you've had so many surgeries you have scar tissue there's so much research to support that having Lots of surgeries is not the way to treat and manage endo. And the fact that um, our medical system is recognising that and treating the pain. And so how do we manage pain? And we don't just manage pain with drugs. We manage it with, you know, seeing physiotherapy, doing yoga, um, you know, looking at your diet. All those kind of things are now actually coming into um, a Medicare system in Australia, which I think is really exciting.
0: It is exciting because that's the philosophy that I believe in as well as a naturopath, you know, that from an endo journey perspective and a treatment perspective is that it is better managed when it is done as like a multidisciplinary approach which is exactly what the, exactly what you're doing with it. the same thing same yes. approach because if you just do surgery then you're likely to be back in surgery much more frequently and then it it's like you said it keeps that cycle going of mm. and then you're still in pain and then you get adhesions and so it just keeps going whereas in between, there's so much that can be done with nutrition and managing stress because, you know, stress wears endo and pain um, and all the the pelvic physio so did you do pelvic physio? are you doing pelvic physio with the
1: team as well I only did a couple of sessions because I don't have extensive issues thank goodness with um like my bladder and things like that so which is unusual with like difficult cases like my own um and I it's funny you should say because when I first saw the team and this is how it actually works it's, it's decently hard to get into the program but when you do the first appointment you have is two hours two hours with that team so I don't even know what that must cost Medicare but it's phenomenal and I actually left and I couldn't even drive home I was so emotional because in all the surgeries that I've had all the treatments that I've had no one has ever spent that much time with me talking about my health which is appalling when you think about it because you you know you go going to see a gyno and 20 minutes later they've booked you in for surgery I mean that's that's how it, that's how the system works and to be spoken to for two hours and given a treatment plan and i actually said to them when i was there look the only thing you guys are missing is a naturopath because um like a, a lot of people have had such great success with changing their diet yeah. i personally haven't unfortunately but i do know that if i eat better my body is better nourished and i cope better with pain yeah. it's, it's so whether you have i've got a friend who basically cured her endo from going on a low inflammation diet you um, would her pain and so you have to kind of like you have to address that and let's let people have a good run at it like I I did it for six months so I gave it a red hot go um, and unfortunately it just it wasn't I wasn't successful but so many people have but I do know when I eat better and I nourish myself better I cope better <laughs> yeah
0: well that's just that's just what wellness is isn't it yes rather than is it like Rather than treat, waiting till you get sick and then treating it, it's more about um, what you can do to make your body more opti- you know, optimally function so that yes. therefore you, you, you cope better with everything, stress, digestion, and, you know, pain, everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's all encapsulated, that wellness, in being kind to yourself, resting, honouring the need for sleep, all those kind of things all fall into that. So the better you are at all of those, the better you cope generally.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, so
1: what's the big message of hope that you want to share? Um, oh gosh, thats I should have been better prepared for that question, shouldn't I? I think that, um, first of all, that there are wonderful people out there to love and support you, and these might be people in your immediate network. And um, I would have to say if you can embrace people and let them help you, um, it will be much better for you because um, I did not do this well in the early days. I used to, cause I was ashamed and embarrassed and felt like a bit silly. I didn't let people help me. And I realized how much that was to my detriment. And now that I let people help me, I have a rule that if someone offers me help, I have to say, yes, it's actually my rule. So if someone says, Oh, you look really tired. Do you want me to cook dinner for you and your family? I'm like, yes. I just say yes to everything. Um, and you get really comfortable and, so if I could say to anyone with endo, be kind to yourself and also allow people around you who love you to care and support you because we don't have to do this alone. And if we do, it's actually I made it a much harder journey. I don't know if that's a big oh, message that's of hope.
0: Amazing message. <laughs> I love that you say that you say yes now when people ask.
1: Oh, and it's actually, um, I find myself even now, so I've been practicing that for about two years. And even now I find myself almost saying no when people offer to help me. And I'm like, Oh, and I can almost feel the words coming out. And I'm like, Nope, you have to say yes. You have to say yes. Yeah, <laughs> and amazing. people, people do it because they're not kind of being polite. People are doing it because they love you and they want to help you. So you say yes.
0: Yes, definitely. Mm. Um, Oh, Hey. Um there was something else you said. Um I'll come back to that. Um is there something you wish you knew earlier in your journey?
1: Oh, definitely. Um I wish and unfortunately at the time that I was being treated in those really early days, um medical intervention in terms of surgery was very much the way we went forward and um, after my second surgery, I really started looking at holistic treatments. Um, and um, I wish that I'd known because the research now, and this is, and to be fair, only fairly recent, is that certain types of endometriosis and, and they, they judge just, just not on what stage you've got, but also how your pain presents itself. Um, so I've got pain that presents all month. And so that kind of pain often doesn't respond well to surgery. So I wish I'd known that before I had eight surgeries. (laughs) Um, So, um, and I don't think to be fair, a lot of gynos and experts knew that like good old Jason, I don't reckon he knew that 20 years ago. It's, it's been emerging information. And so I'd wish I'd known that um, keeping going back would give me very short term benefits. And that if I had could try and embrace alternative methods and particularly just that wellness, that life would be a whole lot easier anyway. So I wish I'd been more consistent with embracing wellness and um, therefore I would have had less surgeries. Yeah,
0: okay. And so you know, yeah, sorry,
1: okay. I was going to say one of the things, and I've actually, um, so I only belong to endometriosis groups in Australia because I belong to a couple that were in America. Um, and obviously their healthcare system is very different to us. And I actually left them because, Was so devastated to see how they treat it because they just go straight to surgery and there's young girls that are like 23 24 having hysterectomies and so that takes away all your choices in life Um, so yeah that that makes me really sad and I, i do feel like with you know the evolution of pelvic pain clinics that do exist around australia and the better knowledge i do think that we as women are getting better treatment
0: yeah, I've, I'm a member of quite a lot of those groups in America and I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And their healthcare is so driven by their job or by their um, where they live and things like oh. that. It's much more than here in Australia.
1: It's, it's devastating when people say, I went to the ED because I've obviously been there multiple times and it's free in Australia if you present to the ED. Um, and it's cost like $12,000. And you're like, how, how, would, how would you do that? And so then you don't go and then... And then things become more complex and more difficult because you don't really go to ED for fun. Um, so yeah, that I find that I find that heart wrenching, and I find it um, almost unbelievable that people live in this system and don't realize how broken it is. So that's my political views on the American healthcare. <laughs> uh, we're opening
0: can of worms if we start talking no, about we'll that. No, we'll leave
1: that. We'll just pop that one back in the corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: So that there's a good point there, though, is that um, there are different um, types of specialists that actually do work with endometriosis, and mm. um, I don't know, which I think is a good point to mention. So a lot of um, gyno, there's two, you know, as you know, there's two ways to remove endo. There's the ablation method, and then there's the excision method and ablation can have um, a higher reoccurrence rate of endo and can actually um, damage tissue more so that then the surgeries become more frequent, whereas excision surgery is the better option. However, not many of the the specialists actually do that. So trying to find somebody that does that is a really important point to
1: mention Yes, and I know in my journey those didn't exist and now they do. Um, And they're also, if you're like me and you have endo on your bowel, there are specialists that deal with that as well. So you do need to get someone. So in West Australia, there's only one surgeon that manages that kind of endo that's um, spread to your other organs and particularly your bowel. So you need to make sure that you're dealing with someone who knows how to manage what you have. So once you've got that diagnosis and you know where it is and you know what's going on, then you can seek out the kind of specialists. And I have to say the Facebook groups are amazing for that because someone will put up, I'm located here. Who can help me? I'm looking for an excision specialist. Who do you recommend? Who have you personally used? Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree.
0: And you find that um, the... And I know this because of my own journey, and because I work with endo women. Is that the advanced trained laparoscopic specialists often have the colorectal surgeons or the urodynamic um, specialists that they work alongside already, so that then there's that team approach in managing um, endo if it has spread to other organs as well.
1: Mm. And. Um... it's in terms of one of my messages I wanted to say to people and I I don't know if I was talking to you about this or someone else but I I saw it in a Facebook group and someone said is there such a thing as a doula or a person that can come to you with your appointments to help you process information and I certainly was like gosh wouldn't that have been amazing because I still remember one of my first appointments that I had with Jason and it was um, Terry who was the other main surgeon in Sydney and I left that appointment absolutely shell-shocked and I, I reckon I absorbed 5% of what they told me. They told me so much important information because um, within two weeks I had to have surgery and because there's so much to absorb it and it's lots of medical terms that you're not necessarily familiar with. I just, you know how you can have a birth doula. Wouldn't it wouldn't be great to have an appointment doula that you could take with you as this support person that could help absorb that information and help you. Like, I I wish I'd written down questions that I had because I walked around and I was like, oh, I don't know, it's still... Because <laughs> it's there's just such a lot to take in and it's really overwhelming. And you often get that sort of 15, 20 minute appointments. So you've got to your sort of in and out before you know it. Um, and so I, I know for a fact in Australia it is um, you're well within your rights to take a person as a support person to any appointments that you have. And I would highly recommend that you do that because, it's not about them advocating for you which they can definitely do but it's about them helping them take in information that you're not going to take in yourself.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we did briefly mention it. We briefly had a chat about it. Yes. about this and I I thought wow, like I would have really benefited from that as well because I I didn't didn't even think about it. I just thought I'll just go along to my to my appointment and then same thing you just don't absorb everything and I I went outside and I sat in the park and I sat on the park bench and I cried because I just couldn't, I was like, what, what just happened? It was so overwhelming Mm -hmm. to hear all that information. And, and then, you know, the fertility, like the, the question of fertility starts getting thrown into the mix as well. And, Mm. having somebody there would have made a really big difference i 100 agree to take someone with you
1: yeah and if um if anyone's listening to this please take that on board because it will make such a big difference you um you'll be amazed at what you didn't pick up in the appointments that is said and also if someone can have those questions and then you can be a bit more prepared and organized that's also really helpful because yeah. i walked away sounding like the same as you like a, a, lots of questions unanswered yeah
0: and then it's hard to get back in or you've got to pay consult fees again and
1: yes definitely
0: yeah so I remember what I was gonna ask you. Oh so great how you said um that you that you felt the shame around like uh the symptoms and everything. Mm. Uh, and I know that now you're a really big advocate for endo and yes um endo awareness. So was there um like a catalyst or was there a point where you just thought no that's it I'm just gonna I'm gonna start sharing what happened.
1: Yes, so um, when I had my hysterectomy three years ago, um, obviously you've got to take a really big chunk of time out of your life. You've got to bed rest for a month, not drive for six weeks, all those kind of things. And it was while I was actually just recuperating. And I was just like, I'm sick of um, explaining to people why. And I actually um, found myself, and it's probably part of the grieving process because when you have a hysterectomy, um, there's a whole lot of grief that goes around that. So even though I'd finished having my children, it's still a, you will never have another baby. And so it's all those things that go with that. And while I was there, I got uh, part of my grieving was I got really angry that nobody knows about endometriosis. And I got really angry that um, it's more common than diabetes and it's not taught in our schools and our children have no idea what it is. And therefore our girls that are coming up have no idea. And that really, it made me really cross and, I felt like um, I know that my mum has definitely battled with her own um regret of how she managed it, but I would say you did your best with the information that you had at the time. Um, and so to me, I feel like when that when I kind of was just lying there recuperating, I started to join groups and I started to look because we've obviously got um, you know, we've got groups that we can belong to and we have um now we have not-for-profits that do it. And they just are so, I feel like I wanted to be part of that. And I feel like I wanted to share my story. So obviously talked about, the fact I run my own business. i would never talked about the fact that I have endometriosis in my business and I have a really big following on social media. And so I'd had my surgery in the December and in the March, it's endometriosis awareness month. And I wrote a post that was my journey and my story. And I just shared it and it got shared to something like 65 times. Um, so um i just kind of thought i don't care if people don't want to hear this i don't care um, if people don't care but i want to make it known that i have this disease it's okay to talk about it and i'm going to put it on my business page on all my socials to share it um and so i've had confidence to speak up about that and so um often um if you're at something I could especially in a business context because there's always blokes there and I know why we're ashamed of having a women's disease. Um, I, uh, people will say, well, what's something you, people don't know about? And i say, oh, I suffer with endometriosis. And then people will always ask, what's that? And every time someone asks that, I feel a, a mix of sadness and anger that I have to explain what it is because you don't have to explain to people what diabetes is, they know what it is. And so my hope is that the more we talk about it, the more, um, when I say I've got endometriosis, someone will say, I'm so sorry, rather than going, I don't know what that is. And that would that would be the dream situation. So I talk to I've got two sons, I talk to them about it. Um, and I talk to their friends about it. Because one day they've got sisters, or they'll have partners, or they'll have children. And so it's just building that awareness. And um, every time someone asks me to speak, um, I will put my hand up every day of the week to talk. Um, and I get asked reasonably regularly to talk, which I love. And I just feel like if we can start talking about it and being comfortable, it just it allows other women to do the same.
0: Yeah. Oh, I yes, I agree, and <laughs> I I love that you you know you felt well, it's not great. You felt the anger, but that it, you turned it into a positive so that you can um, be an advocate for endo because it's like you said um, it, it, it affects so many women, and so it. it looked, The likelihood is if you sit down at the dinner table with people, you're going to know people, there's going to be people at that table that have endo or know whether their sister or their auntie or their daughter or their work colleague. And so you're right. The more awareness that can be spread, the better um, women can get care for. Yes.
1: And also, um, and I think this is your message that you put out a lot is that period pain is not normal at all. Any period pain and that we should we should look at what's causing that. And if we kind of then, you know, make some adjustments to our diet, which can give us good relief from like PMT and those sort of things. If we're still suffering, we we have to go further. And I actually read this, and I, I use this a lot in my talks that I give, that um, if your period pain cannot be controlled by over-the-counter pain medication, you must seek further help and you must be insistent that your GP refers you on because that's actually what they, in in, in our medical world, that's what they consider the benchmark, because if it's still going, there's something else going on. So, um, and if I'd known that for all those years, I was popping, you know, Panadine Fort that that's not normal because nobody talks about it. And even your girlfriends don't talk about it. um, It's just not normal. And to kind of allow that to have happened for years for myself is absurd. Um, Yeah.
0: I, I'm going to throw a spanner in the works. So I'm actually one of those women who um, I have stage four endo and I never had bad period pain. Hmm. So I was one of those rare ones, but I would still end up in ED hmm. and in excruciating pain and I had a lot of the other symptoms like the bowel issues and the hmm. belly and the um, I got really bad migraines and really bad pain but not related to, Not related. To
1: oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, mine was constant as well. Um, my periods were just the, the pinnacle of it, but I had constant pain. <laughs> and so I think
0: the other message is, as a woman, if you're in pain, get it checked out. Like, it, because when, it's not meant to soldier on. like our.
1: I know. And I, I kind of, I look back because um, where I lived in Sydney, I lived in Glebe, and I used to go to the same chemist to buy Panadine Ford. Why did no one ask me why I was buying those drugs all the time? Like, weekly. Um, it's really, I know that they don't have any responsibilities for that, but, um, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I genuinely just believed, I, I kind of thought there was something serious going on. I didn't really know what it was and was too scared to kind of seek treatment. But then when I was getting progressively worse, I was going to see my GP, so I'm not coping, um, and at the time, we didn't recognise those other symptoms, like we didn't recognise that pain in your, like in your um, side,
0: yeah. um,
1: and pain, like fatigue, um, was not recognised as a symptom. So when you present with symptoms, then they didn't know. And, and I have to say that that is probably one of my big things of hope is that every day we're uncovering. More information and more research about the disease, which I think is just wonderful. And I know that I think it's a um, the Queensland University is quite close to having a diagnostic tool that's not surgery, um, based on I think our genetics. So I mean, my my hope is that if we can get the government to invest more money in it, it will get more research and get better funded, and we'll get more answers that will offer us alternative treatments to surgery, um, because there should be there should be more options.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the, the government did have that really big, um, that really big amount of money. I think it was last year or the year before. And so there were there's lots of new initiatives and things that have started to come out that um, that help endo and more
1: Yeah. So unfortunately, <laughs> I'm a bit of a, a bit of a campaigner on this. Um, endometriosis only receives one tenth of the funding that diabetes receives, and yet it's as common. So it is chronically underfunded um, and it's so this year was the first year that it was mentioned in a federal budget. Oh. I know. And it was only mentioned in federal parliament three years ago for the first time. So we are definitely making progress. <laughs> That's what sort I of think well, is wonderful. I know, we do. Um, and we do have some really great um, members of parliament that champion it and um, really kind of crusade and go into bat for funding and for raising awareness, which I think is really wonderful. Um, it's currently only about three of them, so we could do as the more. Yes,
0: and that's why, um, you know, the endo community is a beautiful community as well. And I've, I've met lots of women with. This interview series, and with the, my clients, and in all those Facebook groups, and I love that um, every well, everybody's on a different part of their journey. But a lot of the women that are actually doing okay still come back and t- still support um, all the the people, all the women that are really struggling, and and end up turning into big advocates, which is which is good.
1: It's yeah, good. and it's also um, it's really important um, to kind of because most of us have had parts of that journey and so when we can go in and comment um, I'm really cautious about commenting on fertility um, because I've got an unusual fertility journey and that I was told I would never have children and I went on to have two children really easily that's a real exception and that's why I didn't give that as my big voice of hope because I would hate to give someone false hope um, and I just was incredibly lucky with both my children. Um, and I know that. And so when people put fertility comments in, I'm like, Oh, please don't comment on what your specific case is because fertility is so unique, so unique. And endo isn't the only factor that can impact that. So I am always mindful of commenting on anyone's fertility issues or journeys or otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. It's a, yeah, I agree. It's a tricky, it's a tricky one. And, um, a few things around that, that. There is a lot of support, like see a fertility specialist that does understand endometriosis. And also the whole um, early intervention. You know, endo can have an impact on fertility. So don't stick your head in the sand about it. Go get some answers earlier on so that if you do want to have children, you can Yeah.
1: yeah. You can
0: have that. You, you, you have the information and you have a plan in place.
1: Yes. And, um, and, and with that, and it does still happen in Australia cause that was part of my journey. When I had, when I was looking at my second surgery, when I lived in Sydney, um, my team of gynos pushed me very hard to have a hysterectomy. And at the time I had not had children and they, the reasoning was that cause my endo was so severe, it was probably going to be the only thing that helped me. And that one of my ovaries has never functioned cause it's so badly damaged. And so, Um, you know, they said, you'll never have children. And so there's no point in keeping anything. You should just have it all out now at 28. And I advocated really hard because I was just like, I just, I don't know what the future holds and I want to have options. Um, And so you, you do have to advocate really hard for what you believe even Even in the face of evidence, that says to the contrary, like, 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 honestly, they all but laughed at me when I said, well, I just don't know. Maybe I want to have children in the future. And they're just like, that's not going to be happening. It's not going to be possible. Um, I do. And so my advice is um, please advocate for your own health because um, there's no there's no absolutes. I don't think doctors talk in absolutes anymore. They would more like to say you're unlikely to have children. But um, really, hysterectomy is not the magic bullet anyway. To fixing your problems so um you know don't think that that's going to solve all your problems it didn't solve all mine um because i now have lots of nerve damage and adhesions for all those surgeries <laughs> so um whilst i might be endo free i still have loads of other pelvic pain complications and so that is a res- that is not something they tell you about when you go for surgery and go for multiple surgeries so mm-hmm. you know consider being your own advocate and doing i could, as much as people hate the internet, I think it's a wonderful tool and there are some amazing resources. And um, I think definitely if those pain clinics could add a naturopath to their team, I think that would be amazing. Yes.
0: Yes, I agree. I agree. agree. Um, So is there anything else you would like to share?
1: Um, I guess I would like to say because I've obviously run my own company now for 10 years and one of my motivations for starting that was really to not I wasn't getting the support I needed in the workplace to manage my health. Um, And I I love that now I can work as I need to. And um, if I'm fatigued or if I'm not feeling great, if I'm stressed, I can really, really put my own interests first, which is a really luxurious position to be in. But I would say to anyone who's suffering, please speak to your um, employer or your direct report or whatever it is and talk to them about it because, Um, I'm fairly sure under Australian HR law, we're required to support and help people. And um, there are some really alarming statistics around women who are unable to maintain employment because of endometriosis. And I don't think that should exist in Australia. Um, We have amazing laws that protect our workers. And so please try and advocate and get some support, whether it's through a union or whatever it looks like, because you shouldn't have to lose your job because you have a disease. Yeah, um, and I'm sorry I sound a bit militant about that, but it's it's really devastating because women are already um, penalised in the workplace, and so this just puts us again behind the eight ball, and then we become unemployed, and we all those ramifications that come with that. So um, I, I truly believe that in a country like Australia, in a modern developed world with wonderful um, laws to support workers, there's no reason for you to be unemployed if you have endometriosis. So. That's my big comment. Sorry,
0: <laughs> it. it's, it's an important message to share, and for people who actually work in a workplace. And then, like you said, running your own business gives you the flexibility to be able to, um, you know, shift things around if you're not feeling great, and to, um, or well, yeah, shift things around if you're not
1: great. Um, and lie in bed in your pajamas and sit on your laptop. <laughs> With, a, with the heat pack plugged in. I've got a one that's got a battery that plugs into them. oh a yes. heated
0: blanket. That's always a good one. Yeah, all
1: oh, good. I've actually just upgraded my office and I've got a heated chair now. It's pretty nice.
0: Oh, baby. <laughs> I need one of them.
1: you know it's really good.
0: Um, thank you, Sarah, for sharing all your um sharing your journey, but then also your um knowledge around, you know, working, having endo and working and um just all of it. It's so, so beautiful that you've shared all that. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you, Dee.
0: Thank you so much. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.